Hello, and welcome to the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self-sufficiency, all things homesteading, and about how we can reduce the gap between our consumption and our production. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 384 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today, we are continuing our Monday series talking about extreme weather. Now, this episode's going out a day late, so it is Tuesday. I apologise, but uh, here we are nonetheless. This is still part of our Monday series. So wet weather we're talking about today and extreme wet weather. So whether that is just a a prolonged rainy period or some kind of monsoon depending on where you live we're talking about the sort of wet weather that is irregular you know more than your ground and yourself might be regularly dealing with now the inspiration for this series has come from us in the UK experiencing some extreme heat. Now, again, I want to frame everything for this whole series. The extreme heat that we're facing is not extreme heat versus some parts of the world. For instance, if you live in Arizona or in some of the hotter parts of the Antipodes, then you're going to be used to temperatures higher than the 40 degrees Celsius that we received here for a few days but because it's unusual for us because it's a very very rare occurrence well it never happened before actually here in the UK they were record temperatures it means that it is extreme weather for us we're not used to it we don't have the infrastructure for it so we're moving on from heat and we're talking about rainfall today and whether that is we're going to talk about all aspects of it so we're going to talk about just simply mud and how we would deal with that whether you've got animals or you haven't but we're also going to talk about flooding and how we can prepare for things like that Uh, not in a not in a big way we're going to talk really about managing these conditions as we are through them so it does feel a little bit odd talking about extreme rainfall while we are at the end or well right in the middle of a drought here in the UK however it's important to say that the the actual extreme problems that can come from rainfall, it doesn't just have to be from lots and lots of rain. It can be, for example, when you've had a really a long-lasting drought condition, the ground can dry up and form almost like a, a rock type substance that makes it really really difficult for it to drain away the water so it doesn't take a great amount of rainfall to cause flash flooding so whether it's from previous conditions like i said droughts meaning that rainwater can't drain away whether it's from snow thaw because that's another time when we might see lots and lots of basically rainfall entering our property could be when snow all around us has melted as the temperature rises and we get rain at the same time and all of a sudden we have an awful lot of water for the ground to deal with and the third type can be just excessive rainfall on its own all three of these can cause flooding or extreme amounts of water being brought onto our property so these are all things that we may need to deal with and with the climate change
changing as it is, then we're going to be witnessing and experiencing these more extreme conditions more and more. So we may as well get used to it and learn how to deal with it. Now, when we're thinking about dealing with lots and lots of water, one of the first things to be aware of, and I'm sure most of us are, is just what type of ground we're on, because the ground conditions are going to dictate a lot of what sort of problems we're going to face. Now, I live on clay, and where we lived previously, we were on heavy clay, so we're quite used to dealing with boggy ground. And if you're on clay, you will know that if you have that ground wet for any length of time, and you continue to use it, whether that by walking on it yourself or whether it's by animals using it it will get or can get really quite boggy and the wet ground is going to bring with it all sorts of other issues that have knock-on effects if we don't manage that so mud can be a real pain it really really can and not only can it be just a pain and not nice to look at not pleasant to walk through and you know awkward when we're trying to move into and out of the house because we've got muddy boots on but it can also lead to problems with animals feet it can lead to problems with animals health and it can lead to problems with us not even being able to access or properly manage our property and work on it so when it comes to mud prevention is most definitely better than cure so I would suggest if you are in an area that's prone to getting lots of rain if you're in an area that has boggy ground or heavy clay if you're facing any kinds of these issues on a regular basis that we actually think about altering our infrastructure slightly so things like pathways the sort of pathways that we're constantly walking you want to think about using maybe some gravel paths maybe raising them slightly like you would a small raised bed and then putting lots of gravel down so that you've got that medium that you can walk on keep your boots clean but more importantly not be churning up that ground underneath i think even better than that could be some sort of stepping stones so some stones that form a pathway that you can walk along but has uh, area all around it for the rain to pass off away from the stones and also possibly even better still to have them ever so slightly raised and then every time you walk along those stepping stones you're not interacting with that ground at all and you're not churning it up because what can happen once that ground is wet as soon as you step foot on it you can almost erode that top surface that surface where the the grass is or whatever plants you've got growing that you're walking on and almost rip them out of the ground as you as you tread and move your feet on the ground and then all of a sudden that ground is unprotected we've all been there where we've just walked across a a wet piece of grass and you look behind you and where your footsteps were you can see the mud where there was grass where it's just churned up so quickly and anything we can do to avoid having to step on that wet grass is really really beneficial to not creating that mud in the first place because once it's there it is there to stay as long as the ground is wet the other thing to consider is the pathways that your animals take because it's not just us if you've got permanent chicken housing if you've got 
permanent chicken coops and a free run outside and their water is in one particular spot because your infrastructure is set up that way. Perhaps you've got an elaborate rainwater catchment system all rigged up and for whatever reason, none of these things are movable. Then you might want to think about putting something down, maybe just things like pallets so that your birds can get around over the areas that they're most likely to frequent without having to stand on and churn up that ground and make it all muddy. And this applies across the board we've done this for our pigs in the past as well put pallets all around their water trough and it's not a case of pigs will do quite well with some mud they need some mud to sort of wallow in but it can be a case that they churn up far too much of the ground far more than you would like so by introducing some pallets to certain areas you can help to protect those from becoming muddy another thing that you'll want to do is just keep a really close eye on your stocking levels if you're dealing with wet ground you're going to want to be able to move your animals around and you're going to want to have maybe four times the amount of pasture that you might think you'd need because you might only be able to keep an animal on each piece of pasture before they start churning it up for a week or two and then you've got to move them on again and leave that pasture behind for weeks or even months for it to recover so if you want to avoid that mud and you want to do it with animals on pasture then you're going to need a lot more space than you might think Another thing to think about is do you want to just shut your animals in? If you've got somewhere where there is some hard standing, perhaps you've got a stable block or any other kind of space with hard standing, then that's going to be an option to have your animals shut on that type of ground until the conditions improve. Because I know from experience, once an animal has churned up the ground and it's got muddy, they won't learn to not go on that piece of ground again. They will continue their usual patterns and make it worse and worse and worse. And if you can just confine them on a space that's, you know, perfectly good for them to be in, I'm not talking about keeping them in battery cages or anything, but if you've got an area of hard standing that your animals can be comfortable on for a period of time, even if it's just a short period of time, then giving your ground a break during the worst of those conditions can be really, really beneficial. Another thing to think about is maybe you just want to leave some of the hard to reach places and not go and access those areas of your garden or farm or whatever it is, particularly if you're getting around in vehicles. If you've got a little tractor or a ride on mower or something like that, that you're used to perform performing certain tasks in, then maybe you just have to say, well, I, those tasks aren't available at the moment. I'm not able to use that machinery. I'm not able to access that piece of ground. And that's what it is. You know, c'est la vie. We'll just leave that and come back to it when we can. Because we can, again, by not trying to reduce this mud, by, by not keeping off this ground, we can make really quite big problems that will last a long, long time if we're not careful. And... With good management practices of our gardens or whatever it might be, by making the pathways manageable so that we're not churning things into mud when we've got lots and lots of rain, is going to reduce the problems and it's massively going to reduce the amount of recovery time at the other end. Now, when it comes to plants, we're going to want to think about the type of plants that we're growing and what they need. Some plants really are going to suffer if their roots don't get to dry out. A lot of the more Mediterranean plants, but also some of the herbs, 
they're really going to suffer if their roots if their roots just get waterlogged. So you're going to want to make sure if you've got an area or a period of heavy rain due, a period of really wet weather, then maybe some of those plants that you've already got in pots, you might want to think about moving them under some cover. You might want to think about just putting something around the plant at the base so that a lot of the rainfall can't get into those pots. You might want to think about growing things like that in a raised bed that's naturally going to be free draining and anything that does have the propensity to get waterlogged roots a raised bed is a great idea for it and I mean substantially raised two or three feet of raised bed rather than six inches because what's going to happen is all of that bed is effectively possible drainage it's a way for water to get down and move away from the top of the plants allowing at least some of those roots to recover and dry out how they would want to be there's all sorts of things that we can do and a lot of it really is about thinking about what plants we're growing thinking about their needs their requirements being aware of the weather conditions and being flexible being willing to change things now if you do have a nice big raised bed and you're thinking that we're in for lots and lots of weather perhaps we lots of weather lots and lots of rain perhaps you've already had rain for days and days and days and everything's soaked and you look at the forecast and there's another 10 days of rain due you can take the opportunity to maybe divert some of that water you can take the opportunity to put some covers over your raised beds and at the base of the plant something that's going to divert that water away and in an ideal world divert it all the way into some guttering into storm drainage or wherever else you can divert it so that it's going where it's not going to cause any harm we don't want to divert it into other areas of the garden that are already suffering and make mud where we didn't have it already so these are all things to think about then if we are in an area that's actually going to flood then there's a whole nother set of circumstances we want to consider and a set of options available to us so a lot of the time when people talk about their houses flooding, they're not in an area that was flooded in the last five or ten years because they wouldn't have built houses there. We're talking about floods that typically were sort of one in a hundred year floods and they're now happening more regularly at least that's what we're seeing here in the UK so you're going to want to think about how often your area is going to be prone to flooding now and is it worth and it's all a risk and reward equation you know how much do you want to spend what's the risk what's worth thinking about but you could put in flood defenses if you're in an area that is really likely to flood at some point in the next few years and you know how high do you want to go with that you I'm not really going to talk about home flooding today because I think I don't think that's the topic of this conversation really we're just talking about extreme weather and of course home flooding is a real issue and one that if you are like me if you're minded to be prepared for things then it's something you're going to want to consider but it's a whole new ball game and uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode but like I say I don't think it's for today but we we really are going to talk about ground flooding though and if you've got ground that is actually flooded it's actually underwater then i think the first thing to remember is just to stay calm because it will go away the water will go away and depending on what you've got growing there maybe you will lose some plants and maybe you won't if you've just got trees growing there perhaps you've got a little coppice that's flooded usually those things are going to be just fine if you've got some more delicate plants and flowers particularly some of those things that we mentioned earlier that 
don't like waterlogged routes, then there's a good chance they're going to suffer. And I don't think there's a lot you can do about that. Apart from, like I said, pre-planning, thinking in advance and just being aware of what the weather is likely to do in your area. Now, if you've got a field that's going to flood and you want to keep animals in it, this is a real conundrum. This is something that I'm considering. And the field that we've recently taken on, it has flooded once in the last five years. So anything we put on there, we have to plan for it being a flooded field in the winter like for that to be a possibility and of course I don't want to rule out the idea of livestock so you've got two kind of options there at least as far as I see it three options actually so the first option is rather than having livestock year round is you just buy in if you're raising them for meat for example you just buy in young animals in the early year in the late winter early spring and you raise them up throughout the spring and summer and then they would be slaughtered at the end of the year that's one option that we considering at least now another option and i think it's a long-term thing if we ever do it but our feel we're thinking of dividing it up into four so if you imagine a square just divided up into four smaller squares and then in the middle what we're thinking of doing is putting a big raised platform like about a meter up and that being hard standing and making it a decent size so that i could shut maybe three or four pigs in there or a pair of pigs with a litter in there or five or six or 10 sheep, whatever it might be, a space that kind of size that's raised in the middle, nice and high, so that if we were in that position, we could put them into that raised area and that would be where the animal housing is. And the reason it's in the middle of the field would be because there would be four gates, one into each corner section so we'd be able to rotate the stock throughout the four corners of that field and have this raised section to sort of save them from the flooding if that ever happens so that's an option and the third option is to find an area of hard standing or a stable block or somewhere not on your property that you've got an arrangement with the owner of for emergencies so that if you've got bad weather coming in you can speak to them and say look it looks like we might flood just letting you know we might need that shelter that we spoke about before but but having that pre pre in place so that if and when you do need to use it if that ground does start flooding you can immediately move your animals to somewhere safe and then get them back at the end when the flooding has subsided so there's there are some options available to you but obviously we're not talking about ideal world situations because we're talking about dealing with this extreme weather and it you know that's not an ideal situation Another thing that you want to think about if you are somewhere that experiences heavy rainfall quite often is installing some irrigation or using swales, which is like a formation of banks to just move water where you want it, divert it, stop water running straight down a hill perhaps to where you don't want it, but to divert it to the left and the right. Or you could even install ditch and banks, a series of ditches and banks around the outside of your garden. They don't have to be very big. And that would stop if you've got water that kind of floods in from a certain direction. Perhaps you have a hillside at at the back of your garden. Perhaps it's just a roadside and the water runs in off the road or your driveway. You can install ditches and banks and French drains and things like that to divert water. And really, when it comes to that, what it comes down to is just thinking, just thinking about the topography of where you live, how things are working. Where is rainwater going to be flowing when you're 
facing a, a lot of it? Is it going to be coming from this certain direction? Where is it going to run? Where is it going to hit? Where could I put it that it wouldn't hurt? And then planning for that eventuality and putting in place the sort of diversion me- methods that would work. Like I say, French drains and things like that. A French drain is just basically a channel filled with gravel. And uh, you can get a little bit fancier with it when you're putting in proper irrigation under the ground. You know, you can you can go on and on and on with it. But thinking about it is the first step. And then working out what's going to work for your situation, for your property. So that's it. That's it for extreme wet weather. We'll be back on Wednesday, which is tomorrow, with another episode. And I will speak to you guys then. Thanks for listening. Cheers. This episode of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast was brought to you by our patrons. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, there's lots of ways you can do it. The easiest of which is just to like and review it wherever you get our podcasts. You can also tell somebody about it, whether that's on social media or just face-to-face with a friend who you think might benefit from it. But however you support our podcast, we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to become a patron, please consider doing so by going to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficienthub. However you support the podcast, it's listeners like you that make all of this possible. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I'll speak to you really soon.